0: Hammer time!
1: <laughs> I got that. That's awesome. Well, it is. It's an interesting. It's an interesting timing for us, Brent. It is actually the afternoon, which we rarely record in. Um, yeah. But you know, sometimes we gotta we gotta interrupt second lunches and um, <laughs> Brian's nappy time in order to get the right kind of guests on here for our listeners. What do you Absolutely. think? that's a good idea.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I was out this morning. I left the uh, left the house about 6:30 so I could. Do a webex from my truck as i'm doing it a customer is walking by into the meeting that i'm going to meet him in and i get out of my webex walk into this meeting and immediately i head back home to do this podcast and uh this is this is one of the highlights of my day uh, i love doing this thing and and educating not only myself but, but our listeners
1: mainly yourself man. mainly myself mainly yourself okay well it's you know it's uh Let's talk about this thing, right? So the goal of this show this week is to educate you on the world of Internet of Things, also known as IoT. Or you know on Twitter, it's hashtag IoT, right? So it's a big thing. Every time I use the hashtag IoT, I get like five new followers. So people clearly care about it, although they usually unfollow me automatically like a week later. Um, so as, as the number of connected devices skyrockets and the architectures are required to cover those, to tens of billions of sensors, um, and this thing becomes much more common, right? So we're calling IoT a lot of different things. We're going to try to define it. Uh, we're going to try to explain this big industry. We're going to try to explain all the parts of it. And and um, you know the best way to do that is to bring somebody in who knows a lot more than we do. That's kind of what we do here. So with us today this week is none other than Andy Rhodes. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us.
2: Absolutely welcome. Really glad to be here and. Uh... I love the sound of my own voice, so spending an hour talking to you guys is fantastic.
1: Uh, we love the sound of your voice, too. We've already been talking about that. We won't get into it too much, but that's, uh, that's an amazing voice there. So, Andy, tell us what you do at Dell.
2: Sure. So, um, I've been at Dell about 15 years, mainly uh, in the enterprise side of our business. But about 15 months ago, I had the, the honor and privilege of, of helping Dell set up uh, a division here around IoT um, and I can talk a lot about what we're doing, but really this is such a huge topic, um, and we needed someone from, from the company to look at everything that is needed from our customers and how we put that together with all the technology pieces. Um, so my role is twofold. One is to build out the front end of the IoT, what we call the edge, um, and we've got a lot of exciting things happening about uh, ingestation of data from all these things and then doing analytics at the edge of the network and then piecing together all of the other parts of a solution that customers need. So that's what I do. I build out the edge components, and I help Dell put the whole strategy and point of view and bring all the assets we have as a company to help our customers be successful in this sort of nebulous space.
0: So, uh, Andy, you've been with, you said, uh, Dell for, you said, 15 years? Is that what I heard? Correct, yeah. Wow, that's a long time. So, you know, kind of talk about your transition and and how – you moved into this world of IoT. What got you intrigued and excited about it enough to say, "Let's spearhead this new division within Dell and and make it a reality"? Yeah, I,
2: you know, I think the the way I characterize it is, it's really about the Internet of Data. Um, the things are there to create data; they all have their purpose, but the the business value is is all around how do I ingest this data at the right speed and velocity, and then how do I analyze it and get business insights from that data? Because, you know, I'm sure you guys are exactly the same as us. You know, our philosophy is that data stored is a cost center, data analyzed is a profit center for for businesses. Um, And I got involved because, you know, I've spent a lot of my time in my career over the last 20 years in tech at the back end in the data center, you know, looking at big data, looking at, at, at ways customers use that, um, but I've also had a lot of experience at the front end. You know, I've, I I've ran our workstation, professional workstation business before, um, and so, you know, I've got a, a lot of experience around how you create, you know, uh, a business and, and value to customers around deploying millions of different devices. So, I think I got asked to do this in Dell because I've got uh, experience in the front and the back end of the of the architecture that's needed from an IT perspective.
1: And okay. so, yeah. And so speaking of that, uh, we, when we were stalking you on LinkedIn, which is Brent's specialty, um, one of the things we noticed is that you were also executive director of um, basically Converge infrastructure solutions for Dell. Uh, my understanding was that actually included uh, DCS, didn't it?
2: It did, and, and, and DCS is our data center solutions division. We started that around nine years ago at Dell. That's in fact the reason that I, I moved to the U.S. I'm, I'm based out of Austin, Texas. You can you can tell by my East uh, East Texan accent, but but the, the DCS was all around providing custom infrastructure for you know what we now know as the sort of hyperscale internet giants, the likes of Facebook and Amazon and, uh, and others. But but coming back to your original question around what, why are got so interested in in the IoT space and why I personally think I have one of the best jobs in the industry right now, you know, this whole notion of data, flow of data, analyzing it for business gain, but the customers here are just so interesting. I mean, and if you look at the disruptive nature of IoT, I'll give you a couple of great examples that that stick in my mind from dialogues I've had with customers. We were talking to an elevator customer the other day, or in, in Europe we call them lifts, but elevators... And elevators have been around for, you know, 150 years or so. And you ask elevator companies what they do, and they strip it back without their marketing people present. They basically say, we build steel cages that move people up and down buildings. That's what we do. And yet, now the IoT is here. They are radically looking at changing their business models and moving away from building steel cages to having a business model that supplies a service that's called rides per floor per person, and so they they want to go and sell this as an OPEX model to their end users who are the building management companies, and rather than sell a 30, 40-year CAPEX, you know, object that that uh, depreciates, they're going to sell it as a, as a service. That's sort of disruptive in itself, but then you think about, hey, if I now own the people in the elevator own, in inverted commas, but but you know i'm paying for for that it's sort of my asset now and i'm renting it back as a service i own all the eyeballs in the elevator what else can i do in terms of generating net new revenue streams from having you know people in you know contained in my my steel box well i could do digital signage so i could put now you know big screens in the elevators Use real sense cameras to determine the makeup of the people in the elevator, and then sell advertising space targeted at the type of people in that elevator. So here you go from from you know a company that, that thought they were in the, the steel box business, and now they've very very quickly jumped to a brand new revenue stream or at least in concept around being an advertising company. That you know we see examples like that day in day out that makes sort of the business side of this incredibly appealing. And and just really exciting.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a great example of of what we call digital transformation. I'm sure you guys use it too. But uh, taking kind of a traditional, we make things, and then now, how do we make things uh, more commoditized, digital, easy to consume, uh, and and consumerized? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the it's about the customer and their interaction. Um, but with that. Uh, so every week, Andy, we do a segment called This Week in Tech History, and I, I was hoping actually 15 years ago, roughly, um, that you would have said the reason that you started thinking about IoT was because in 1999, IoT was actually proposed by a guy named Kevin Ashton, um, and his definition was, it refers to identifiable objects and their virtual representation in an internet-like structure. So... Um, interesting 15, 16 years ago, maybe 17, it depends on your counting. Um, IOT actually was a term and it has, it has grown. It has, uh, turned into this, this thing that, you know, it's, it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for. It, it's tough to describe. It's like cloud, right? So my first question to you, Andy is what does IOT mean to you?
2: So I, you know, I think the industry is great at creating these big buzzwords to focus on a concept, and I see it just as that. I, I think when when you get actually into customer dialogues and conversations, they don't ever use the word IoT. They, they'll t- they'll tell you what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve. They'll say things like, "I'm trying to uh, do um, building automation and smarter building automation to reduce electricity usage or create you know better comfort in my building," or they'll tell you. Look, I'm doing predictive I want to do predictive maintenance on my jet turbine so that I can reduce the amount of service people I send out or increase the quality of my jets that are flying over the Atlantic. But but IoT I think is a great grounding concept. And so for me it really is as simple as I have objects that uh, previously were not wired, that couldn't release the data that they were creating. And now they can sort of um, push that data onto the network. And I say network because some of those networks are public, some of them are private. And then I take that data and I analyze it and I either do something with it straight away, like I control something as a notion of that, or I collect data to to eke out business um, insights and I use those business insights to further my business. I think it's as simple as that. It's just basically, you know, the first 30 years of the Internet were about people and applications creating data. And, and this IoT is all about the things now creating, you know, just exabytes of net new data. And therefore, you know, the, ana- the analytics are, are, are the incredibly important thing here.
0: Sure. So it sounds like the concept was there. It's not necessarily new. It's become buzzworthy, a buzzword. Um, what, why do you think now it's, it's becoming so hot?
2: A couple of reasons, um, and you're right, it's not new. It's been called machine to machine or industrial internet for for many, many years. Um, I think a couple of of prevailing trends. The first is the the dropping um, price and footprint and power of silicon. So, you know, before a lot of these things weren't possible because you just couldn't get silicon small enough, cheap enough to put in a lot of the objects. Sensors were expensive. Um, you know they didn't exist at the sort of price points needed, um, and so I think all the work that Intel have done, Qualcomm and others, to drive down the cost of of silicon and and, and converting sand to silicon has become cheaper, and, and obviously you can get a huge amount more intelligence at the edge than you ever could before. That's one. The second is the, the sort of increase of wireless technologies has shrunk at that size as well. So you know, there's a lot of places that you couldn't put intelligence because you couldn't run a Cat5 cable to them. Well, now you can use a lot of cheap, you know, bandwidth. Which, and I'll come back to that because it doesn't solve all your problems, especially as a lot of the 50 billion things that get predicted by 2020 will be online. A lot of those are legacy. And so they're just not natively, you know, connected to the internet. But but the the sort of Increase of coverage of wireless technologies, whether it's you know LTE or 3G or or Bluetooth or some of these new um, pro, newish protocols like Zigbee and Z-Wave and, and n you know they've really driven the sort of ability to connect this cheaper silicon. And then another trend that we see is is what I call the fast fail trend. And so you you roll back the clock, you know six seven eight years ago ten years ago. To get a slice of um, uh, a server or a virtual server in a data center was really expensive. Um, You know, post-virtualization, post, you know, a lot of cloud, um, you know, infrastructure as a service cloud, would take a lot of money just to get, you know, started on one of these projects at the back end of it Whereas now you can rent you know, uh, instances of Amazon or Azure out of the cloud very, very cheaply. So you have this whole maker community or, or this whole community of fast failures who can easily stand up you know, instances of compute, start to analyze the data very, very fast, prove out a project at record speed that they couldn't do before at a very, very minimal cost. And that's created a huge, huge amount of, um, uh, of innovation in the marketplace. So I think those are, those are definitely the drivers. And then the other one we see is that this is, you know, I I think you had Matt Baker on here a couple of weeks ago talking about the consumerization of IT. Well, you know, just the the awareness of IoT through things like Nest and Fitbit has made it a household name, and so we have more and more uh, the C-suite really understanding how transformational, you know, some of these technologies can be to their their business. Whether you call it IoT or or digital strategy or, or whatever it is, I think there's just a lot more awareness because of those uh, those consumer uh, examples and case studies that we all see every day.
1: And and so specific, and then, you, Go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, Andy.
2: Yeah, sorry. And then the last one um, is this whole big data movement, and and I think big data's been around for a long time big data, fast data, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that the, the, the subtlety that I see, though, that's driving, you know, more and more acceptance and more and more IoT projects is not that people didn't know how to do big data a couple of years ago and now they do. I think that the world has invested in way more data scientists and way more business people that now know what questions to ask of the data and that's what's really important. So the birth of the data scientist and the business user who can easily get access to the big data and manipulate it very quickly and know what questions to ask of it—that's sort of the last thing that I think has has contributed to the sort of explosion over the last year of, of this whole IoT theme.
1: And, and so we've heard you—you you mentioned a couple of things. I really want to—I want to dig into uh, really quick. One was um, the number. So by what is. What do you see today as far as I, IoT numbers? What you, is it? Is it 4 people or is you know 4 items or are there you know 1 million or 10 million? What's the number?
2: You know, I I've given up trying to I've given up worrying about it. Um it's billions of things that are going to be connected. It will be more billions of things as we go through the next, you know, 4 or 5 years. Um I don't think anyone has to worry whether there's going to be a market there or not. Um and so pick pick your analyst firm um, and they'll tell you it's you know north of thirty north of forty by twenty twenty um, you know the the research we do right now is not is not really based on that. The research we do is about how do we how do we really go about providing solutions that customers can use to to take advantage of that so i I, I worry less I've probably got a bunch of stats they're not right in front of me it's billions and um, and I think that's very very real but I think the big difference is everybody has this mindset that all of these new connected things that are kind of come online or the billions that we talk about, are all new and they're not. It's a lot of those things already exist and people want to hook them up. and so that the problem statement is how do I extract the data from them? Not that the data isn't been generated, it's just how do I extract it from this very proprietary, you know front end at the edge you know how do i extract the data from an air conditioning unit or a piece of industrial mining equipment um or you know a production line how do i extract it because it wasn't built to be ip traffic
1: and that, that was actually my second follow-on question we have the name of this thing is literally internet of things and luckily that was made by marketing it's kind of like cloud and everything else it has a it has a reason it exists but isn't necessarily exactly what's going on not every single thing necessarily has some sort of IP address, or even as IP enabled. So, um, you know, it, I, I assume that things like um, RFID or things that are legacy that simply are are we're getting telemetry data out of somehow. If it eventually gets somewhere that can be analyzed in a digital form, are all of those things encompass an IoT, or is there like a wall where you go, nope, that's not IoT?
2: No, I, and, and and again, I I don't ever want to sort of say there's one formal definition. I just personally would call those, you know, internet things. As long as you can extract the data out of it, then for me it's smart, and uh, and it should be included in in these nebulous numbers that people are talking about. So I, you know, again, I I think when you're talking about concepts, it's really really hard to put, you know, concrete black and white definitions around it, and as i you know as i said before when you, when we have really meaningful conversations with our customers and we're helping them solve problems we don't even use the word iot we go back to the use case specifics of what they're trying to achieve
1: makes sense like you said it's more about the outcome than really how you're getting there how you're getting there is going to get done no matter you know as long as somebody can figure out how to do it right
2: yeah i mean it, you know again i think if you call it iot you might you might have more Success getting money out of your board or or your business unit, Um, you know, it's definitely hyped in the market from a marketing perspective. So, you know, it gets you on calls like this, right? I I think if I had a title that said, helping customers do fleet management or building automation, it would probably, you know, we wouldn't have found each other. So, again, I think there's there's value in the the term, there's value in loose definitions because it gets people on the same page of this whole concept of wiring up the world around us and extracting the data from it. But as I said, you know, I, I think people should worry less about the terms and the terminology, really get into what data am I not getting access to and how do I get access to that data and then what can it do to my business? Around the three vectors I talked about, one is, you know, how can I, how can I sort of drive efficiencies in my business, um, you know, if I'm a building management company, maybe it's driving down the cost of electricity or, um, you know, or making the building safer, or you know, with the with the, the, the example we used of as a service, how do I radically change my business? I think that's really where, you know, customers want to go off and have conversations around.
1: Yeah, the, the, the conversation is kind of nonstop no matter who we talk to, right? Uh the big thing, the overarching thing, no matter, no matter how you market it is uh, digital business transformation. So it's uh, it's interesting how people are doing those things. So we've talked a lot, we talked a good bit about businesses or organizations or even government or however we're getting these things. Um, is there, are the, like, how do we differentiate consumer IOT and business IOT? Is there, are they, do they have different futures? What, what's the, how do they differentiate?
2: Yeah. I, again, they all have their own merits. Um, we're very focused at Dell, at least, on the cons, uh, the commercial side of this equation. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I think the business because it's not one thing, and there's so many different use cases. Uh, I think the, the biggest difference is on the consumer side. A lot of it is net new technology. You don't have, you know, you're not inhibited as much by connecting to the legacy that you've already got and you can go forge new paths, which is great for the whole industry because that's where a lot of the innovation happens and it can trickle into commercial environments. I think the biggest difference between the two is that you're connecting, you know, new things going forward and they can use a lot of new wireless technologies where in the commercial world a lot of the the things exist today and so it's like how do I extract the data from them versus, you know, just rip them out and, and have greenfield environments. So, and then I think that a lot of there's a lot of bleed over as well. You know how you do um, commercial building management. You know there's a lot of parallels with how how you manage your home. But again, you 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 one of the key concepts that that we figured out is in the commercial world there is this huge convergence of two organizations um, at uh, at our end users. One of them is the IT department. And the IT department has traditionally been known for managing the data center, managing the applications in the data center, managing, you know, the desktop environments. But they're very very much focused on providing the means to the end of the business. And then you have this other uh, organization and a lot of our our, our customers, and I'm going to call them operations technology or OT um, I'm sure they don't call themselves that, but think about these people. They run the production lines. They run the buildings. They're facilities managers. They run the fleets uh, of, of trucks that they have at their companies. They are the people that you know, put in, in place the, you know, the, the big turbines, if, if you're talking dams or, or big industrial units. They're doing utility power management on oil rigs. We call those operations technology And I think on the commercial side of this, unlike the consumer, to have a successful IoT deployment, you have to have those two teams come together and work together like they've never done before. And we've been in meetings where, you know, we've introduced those two people inside of a company they've never met before, they've never had to work together in the way that they have to work together now. So let, let me give you an example in in building management, these operations technology people have always been responsible for the HVAC unit, the pumps, the control valves in a commercial building, the lighting. Well, that's never been on the network before. Um, Or if it has, it's been on a completely radically different network. But if you want to get the most out of building management, then you want to have data feeds on all of that stuff. You also want to have external data feeds like weather and traffic patterns The really advanced, you know, uh, organizations, maybe they want to have smart parking within their own offices so that their employees aren't circling around the office all the time trying to find a parking place. This this is like something dear to our heart at Dell because a couple of our sites, you know, it's it's high on populations, low on parking. And so so you might want to merge all these data sources together. Well, to do that, you have to be on your company's IP networks, and so the, the operations, the facilities people now have to really, really talk to the IT people, um, and work on these projects together. That doesn't exist as much in the consumer world. So there's a sort of there's an added well there's less friction from from that perspective. But this whole notion of OT, IT, and how they come together in the commercial space, I think there's a, there's probably not enough understanding of that as an industry. Uh, we're doing a lot here at Dell and working with a huge amount of our partners like s a p and microsoft and uh, software a g and others because they're at the at the at the very forefront of these two organizations coming together
0: very cool andy yeah i, I read, certainly read about that i saw the article or the interview about um, bridging the gap between i t and operations technology and then all the partnerships that have been struck up recently between microsoft and s a p and and uh, the the software AGs of the world. Um, what I wanted to to find out, and and I, I this is kind of a interesting segue. I had, I was actually out at a customer's site the other day, and they are a sports team, and they have a stadium. Um, and and we were talking to them about digital transformation, and they were like, "All right, I want to you know figure out where people are and how people are spending, and encourage them to spend more or do things in different parts of the stadium, etc." And what I found. Interesting, and I remarked on. I was like, "What's kind of neat is a lot of your sensors are all are purchased by the consumer. Um, so if you can figure out a way to leverage these these you know end units or these objects, as you described them earlier, that are paid for by the people, um, it probably lowers your cost." So along those lines, the I've seen costs that are, or, or studies that suggest that there's going to be six trillion dollars in spend for IOT over the next five years. So where is that spend going? Is it, is it going into like endpoint objects, into specific technology, people, or consulting? Where, where do you see the, the spend going? Uh,
2: it, it's, it's all over that spectrum. I think it's a great, great observation. And, and, and you raise a great point as we just talked about example after example, you, you know, you can tell IOT is not one thing, right? Which is great um but I, I see I see the money going in in sort of three major areas, maybe four um the first is definitely on the things themselves. if they don't exist in the world, you've got to lay them out there the sensors the whatever it is um so that's one sort of pocket of money where where net new spend is going to happen. the second and again. Maybe this is self-serving because I, I work at Dell and, and this is my life. But you strip back all of the sort of sexy use cases and, and the, the great business transformation, and underneath it all is an IT project, right? You've got to go and put IT in because you're talking about the analysts of data. And so many customers already have pockets of big data expertise and excellence, and they can use that, but many don't, you know, and, and or they have to build up excess capabilities and capacity to go do this data um, analytics. So I think the second spend is on IT infrastructure from, you know, edge gateways um, that we can talk about in a little bit all the way through to the back-end data center assets and the software that ties then the data flow from the thing through a gateway into the back-end um, and the big data analytics tools that will actually power the insights. So that's one other piece of spend. Um, From what I've seen is no one has a complete end-to-end solution today. Um, And solution is another big word that that needs defining. So I, I see a lot of deployments where we're working directly with customers, but also with our partners, the software people, and system integrators. So the whole other bucket of spend I see right now is around system integration, and getting it all to work. In fact, we as an industry need to make that much easier um, and, and so that our customers can go and, and look at velocity of deals and get this stuff done much faster. It's still too difficult to go and deploy an end-to-end IoT solution, whatever that that is. Um, but there's a big bucket of spend there um, uh, around system integration. You call that consultancy, you know, it's just the – Putting it together, designing it, putting it together, making it work, and then the fourth bucket is is uh, realizing the asset that you've just gone and, and, and created in this IoT solution. So that's sort of marketing it to whoever your end user ultimately is. Um, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of net new marketing in the world and a lot of net new sales processes as that you know a lot of these businesses come online and, and move from a uh, a very physical world to a digital world. Those are the four big ones that I can see right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it, that's, you know, I think it's just interesting. Um, and, you know, what I find even more interesting is, you know, you talked about the use cases and why businesses would would adopt. And, and, and you know, what I've seen is three basic things, improving their bottom line, lowering operating costs, um, you know, increasing productivity, and expanding out to new markets. Yeah. So why? What are the challenges? I mean, because it, it doesn't seem like an easy thing to adopt or consume. Um, what are you seeing out there that if customers are like, "Boy, I love the concept, but I just I, I can't I can't figure out what to do, how to do it, what to focus on."
2: Yeah, I, and there's some great examples already where cu- customers are changing radically. We've used some anecdotal ones one of the, the public case studies that we can talk about is a company called KMC Controls. They're in the building world. They're a you know private business, been around, mainly in North America for the last 60, 70 years. Great group, uh, group of guys from up north. And um, you know, and they were very much in the bricks-and-mortar building, commercial building world. Um, and now they, they've taken some of our products and, um, and solutions and they've built uh, a product called KMC Commander That's really a sort of building management appliance, a smart building management appliance for mid-sized commercial buildings. Well, if you look at their transformation, they've gone from really a bricks and mortar company and now they're sort of selling uh, an appliance as a solution uh, that does their selling building management before they were selling pieces of buildings. Well, you know, they've had to go off and radically change a huge amount of things in their company. How do I sell it? You know, what does my Salesforce now do? How do I retrain my Salesforce? How do I work with my system integrator, um, uh, you know, partner program and ensure that they can sell it? How do I my back-end operations work differently? And, again, these aren't IoT-specific. This is about digital transformation in general, as you talked about. But it's not just a technology thing. The technology is sometimes the easy part. It's the how do I pivot all the other things in my organization from marketing to selling motions to even billing, you know, I mean, you just think about companies that before built, you know, build for specific physical items and now you're billing for reoccurring revenue streams, you know, because you're, you know, you're providing it as a service or as a monthly subscription. Then those are considerations that a lot of customers think about afterwards. And, and that's, you know, sometimes it's those things that go off and, and trip you up and then you have to Radically change your marketing message to your end users right and because they see you in a different light and so I think the business transformation that happens here as a consequence of some of these is is as important as the technology transformation that's going to happen what's also what? interesting in, in, so What's Go ahead. also really interesting in the KMC front is you know they they realized early on that um, you know, they're now selling to a completely different or or completely different people. Whereas before they'd always sell to the operations people that ran buildings. Now, IT departments get involved and and KMC doesn't have a brand as an IT provider, nor should they ever do that. Um, And so in their appliance that's based on, on, on our equipment, they actually wanted Dell to keep our logo because... Uh, when you go into the IT team and say, "Hey, we're going to put something on your network. It's called this appliance," you know they worry about security, they worry about manageability, they worry about you know a bunch of things that IT people should and, and do worry about. But now they know it's from Dell. You know they've worked with Dell for 30 years. They know we have great security on the network. They know we understand how to manage and build, you know, um, uh, you know the right uh, infrastructure. They know that they get great, you know, world-class support you know, technical support. They're like, great, okay, if it's built on Dell, I understand. But but it's a great example of how they never thought they'd ever have to talk and convince IT people. They were always, you know, talking and, and convincing the operations facility people. So, again, radical change in the way that they go to market and, and, and who their partners are and, and how they go and tackle that problem.
0: And and kind of, you know, on the same line of, you know, these these – these businesses want to do it, and then there's the this whole consumer notion, and there's all this data, and there's you know the the tinfoil hat wears. Like, um, are there concerns out there uh, from businesses that are like, well, shoot, how are we ever going to get this information? Or once we do get it, um, are we kind of scared that we have it, or what can we do with it? Like, what's the potential? Like, how do you talk someone off the you know off the edge of the cliff when they're talking about private data? or you know, maybe not even private, but stuff that people aren't aware that you're able to get?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's two types of businesses. One, one that will embrace it and be successful, and others that will not and eventually will become irrelevant. Um, and so I, I always hate to use fear as a, as a sales tactic, <laughs> um, and nor should we, but there should be a healthy level of discussion and debate in the boardroom right now that if you're not digitally transforming your business or IoTizing your business, what are you missing? Um, because you know it's every market I've been into, whether it's education, whether it's you know energy. I mean, we've got some great you know examples of energy companies that are radically changing, um, all the way through to retail, right? I mean, you look at retail, the transformation in retail of really understanding who's walking through your store and and where you're standing and what you're looking at and and aligning that with promotions and, and programs, you know, people that don't that that are scared of it and don't embrace it as a concept, I think are going to struggle and get left behind. However, this is one of those times that that I, I sort of counsel businesses to understand what business they're really in as well, and it shouldn't be IT. The IT back end of this shouldn't be the inhibitor to getting it done, and I think that's where the industry is coming together, you know, know, we're all working together to try and make this more accessible to more companies um, so that these businesses can go off and think about how do I go and use this new technology to further my business? How How do I get closer to my consumers in my store? How do I, you know, how do I better lay out my store because I understand how people move around it through heat sensors and motion sensors? And then I can correlate that with what people are buying, where it is on the, the checkout of my till. That's still, you're in the retail business. You you don't have to be in the IT business. IT just enables that. So I, I, you know, if I strip it all back, it's like I would say, embrace it um, and go figure out. And 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 it doesn't have to be as scary as it seems. Pick pick a couple of stores, pick a couple of areas. Go go build proof of concepts or. Someone described this the other day to me as proof of market. I mean, just make sure that, you know, that you can go do it and it generates, you know, net uh, positive impact to your business. You don't have to transform your whole organization in day one. Go pick a pilot, you know, go run it, go make sure it works, go see the business value, sell that to the board, show the competitors SWOT analysis if you don't do it before your competitors and jump in here. It's not as scary as it, as it really seems
1: yeah and and speaking of scary i kind of want to make sure we restate this so that it's clear to me because it was kind of one of my fundamental thoughts here if you go out and look at something like a whatever a a wearable right um whoever's it is obviously consumers are going out and paying the company to get the wearable and they have their own intrinsic benefits and then they're giving back all of their data back to the wearable company which then is using it for whatever it is that they use it for whether it be you know mass marketing whether it be targeted marketing, whether it be to create the next product or, you know, to tell them that they're going to have a heart attack, whatever those things are, you know, they're doing it and it's the relationships there. Um, so the consumer side seems fairly clear how that is going to continue to progress. Do you agree with that?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. I think there's massive privacy issues and they have to get overcome and, um, you know, because, because again, what, what's the saying? If you don't know, if you don't know who the product is, it's you in the consumer space right now. <laughs> um, uh, so I agree. I think I think it's it's sort of simpler, and and there's a lot of privacy issues. I think on the on the commercial side, security uh, really still comes up as the one biggest issue that most customers are struggling with. I mean, you've just got you've just massively increased your surface of attack, um, and there's been some pretty high-profile. Instances in the world, you know, targets always referenced as one of when you get attacked on this bigger, you know, surface that you're just creating. And so we, we got to go again as an industry, go tackle those um, and make sure that, you know, we pay particular attention to the security elements of this. Um, but again, I don't think it's insurmountable.
1: And, it, and like you mentioned, the next part being, you know, traditional business, right? There's tons of uh, things that are already enabled for this analytic data. Or this you know output and uh my favorite new word is digital exhaust right it just gives off information and it's just how you correlate it and then do something with it so my my original thought as i learn more about this and research to be able to talk with you is really on industrial application Um, and mainly you know these things that are not already enabled we're we're really curious how is this you kind of sort of hit it so i just want to restate it how is this different from a typical? IT sale, like you said, it's selling now to operations, or in certain cases, that industrial application may be a product. It seems like it's a really fundamentally different thing. Is there something about it that's kind of clear set that this is how this thing goes versus traditional business?
2: Yeah, I I think the main one is who is the buyer, right, Um, of of the concept, and it's often the business. And you know we, we, we were recently with a bunch of CIOs. We have a you know a, a yearly CIO forum at Dell, Marius Haas, who's our president of, um, of the salesforce, hosts that, and we had a bunch of CIOs and it was funny because half of them were were like, "Hey, I, I don't think this IOT thing really applies to me because it's really an operations thing." And the other half of the room were like, "Wow, you know, of course it does. you know you're, you're going to have to deliver this and and the, the role of the CIO is massively changing, and they're not sort of, I wouldn't say, you know, they've always been what I call on the business, you know, providing a service to the business. And with digital transformation, you know, often now they are the business. So, you know, their roles are massively changing. But, but you're right, it, it, you know, and every customer is slightly different now. You've got to go and identify who the business owner is and then tie them up with the, the technology people, the IT people to deliver these solutions. And it's so it's so clear to me, because the the OT people usually own the devices, and they own the output of the data, but the rest of the flow of that data and the mechanics behind analysing it is all owned by the IT staff. Um, and so you have to sell to both of them. You have to understand all of their needs and their different KPIs. You know, IT people get you know comp and KPI key performance objectives. Uh, And indicators are much more around security and governance and cost reduction. You know, it's the sort of language they use, SLAs. Whereas the operations people, they they, they think more in terms of business metrics. You know, the yield in my factory, my crop yield if I'm doing smart agriculture, uh, my fuel efficiency if I'm doing fleet management, right, or safety of my drivers or safety of people around my drivers. So, so the, you've got to understand that there's a complete set of business metrics that aren't the same as if you're going off and deploying, let's say a you know Outlook or Office application or a SAP ERP implementation. These are very, very different drivers that the business have, and they're they're outcome driven uh, in many, many cases. And so, we're learning to adapt to that and understanding how we can you know, help our customers understand the value that we'll bring through the technology.
1: That's awesome. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And so now as you, you, you teed it up for me. You made my life easy. Um it's you know it's hard enough to talk into a microphone. The other thing is to actually be thoughtful. Um so now let's look at how Dell is really trying to go about this, right? So um we've got these we've got this consumer world which Dell is really well, you know, in We've got this business world where dell is trusted you know in certain cases what are you guys really doing um to kind of really tackle this market right we've seen that i mean that we know the gateway exists but what do you guys what's the total plan um and you know what are you guys kind of rolling out
2: yeah so i'm going to talk specifically about the commercial markets because dell really is a commercial first company um and um you know and obviously we, we have we have a footprint from the global 500 all the way down to, you know, the small business markets. But we really are a commercial company, and, and, and most of what we do is geared towards that commercial clients. So, so what we're doing is, if you look at the thing side, again, everyone thinks this is sensors or Fitbits, but, but in the reality, the thing could be a piece of mining equipment, could be an MRI scanner, could be a windmill, and a lot of those things, at least the bigger ones, need intelligence in them. Um, that could be as simple as a piece of you know, silicon or it could be a, an embedded industrial computer. Um, and so the first thing we're actually doing in terms of building net new capabilities is we announced our embedded computing division um, in Germany Embedded World um, a couple of months ago. So that's net new to Dell. So we're actually gonna create fanless, high industrial grade embedded computers that will be the brains of the things. And and then that creates a, a bunch of data. Um, and then so the next piece of our architecture is the gateway. And 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 it's hard to describe a gateway, but think of it as something that extracts the data, has a lot of legacy comms on it, uh, I.O. Um, so how do I attach to all this legacy stuff? A lot of it is analog and it needs to be digital. So we have a lot of, of uh, serial inputs. And then it does this, at the edge of the data. Let me give you an example. If you're managing a mid-sized building, probably has about 10,000 light bulbs, believe it or not, if all of those are smart and they're sending data to you every second and that data is just saying, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off for hours on end and then you know it says I'm on, well, you can filter that data very quickly at the edge. You really only care about the change of state of the data and why it changed. Uh, was I was I off and then I became on because someone walked in the room? That's a, a useful data point. The gateway will be able to have the intelligence and scrub through that so that it's only collecting the data that it really, really needs. And it's also the, the way to actually get to the data. So uh, our gateways have a lot of serial to analog. They also have a lot of wireless technologies built in as well. Think about, think about the gateway if in layman's terms. You know, when I describe it to my children, I, I tell them it's the spam filter to the cloud than an IoT setting. Because you can imagine if there's 50 billion devices and we're sending all of that data over the, the, the networks we have into the back-end cloud or the data center, we just don't have the networks in the world to, to cope with that. So you sort of filter it and spam filter it um, and it sort of reduces your footprint of how much data you're sending uh, around, around the world.
1: So and then so specific to that, uh, I don't mean to de- de- you know, derail you, but specific to that gateway, what you're saying is that when you're doing things on the edge and handling them there, you're reducing this overall concern for network architecture and the amount of traffic you're sending back home uh, by simply correlating it and finding what's relevant before you send it back.
2: Yeah, you're, you're way more articulate than me, so articulate than me. So my fir- that's my first to
1: come, time. To, yeah, um, anytime
2: you want to come work in our marketing department, you know, send me your resume. But absolutely, you, you sort of nailed it. And, and then think about it. If you're, if you're managing 30,000 buildings, um, you want each of those buildings to manage itself very, very quickly. But then you want to extrapolate the trends across those 30,000 buildings. Um, that's where you then want to pipe the useful data into a cloud or a data center. And then you can do big data analytics at the back across a much, much wider variety of those buildings. So, you know, and here's where, where, like, just to close the loop on this and get back into the business discussion. So if I now have 30,000 buildings under management, I can look at trends and extrapolate them. I can say, hey, Building A in Houston is a strip mall of this square foot footage. Same as this building you know, on the other side of Houston, but this building B uses 30% more electricity, and it's because their HVAC system is old and inefficient. I could go sell that data now to HVAC companies, air conditioning companies, and so I've just extracted a new business model. You know, I thought I was in the, the business of managing buildings, but now I've got all of this great data, and I can mine this data, and I can sell it because it has value in it. So uh, that's that's really yeah you, you you hit the nail on the head of of the edge and and, and why it's important. Um, so and then of course sorry then of course when, when you when you do that you want big data at the back end in your data centers so that you can do that analytics. Dell is obviously a data center cloud company as well, so we can help customers at the back end.
0: So two questions. Um, the, the first one on kind of on your last comment that you know Dell's a, an infrastructure company, is is Dell's plan more about enabling the Dell infrastructure or democratizing IOT as a whole with things like APIs and software offerings and, and specifically around software offerings, like, you know, uh, your, your edge gateway. Um, do you ever see that becoming a software only package? Yeah, it
2: can. And this, this is where the whole notion of a gateway is ill defined as well. So, you know, it's courses for courses. Um, you know, if if you can easily extract the data and you want to analyze things at the edge of the network or what's often called the Fog Network now, doing a lot of work with OpenFog, um, great, um, you know, uh, body uh, that we're working with, you can have this notion of a soft gateway as well that's not bound to a piece of hardware. This, this gets into this whole debate of, you know, centralized versus decentralized computing. And, and you know, the world's gone through a bunch of trends here, Um, And it's sort of, it's moving again to decentralization in a little bit, right, with this whole notion of of the fog or the the edge of the network. It doesn't have to be a gateway as we've prescribed it. I think in the future you'll find a lot of customers just, they want to do more compute-centric and analytics closer to where the data is for exactly the same reasons irrespective of what that data is. Um, And so, you know, when you look at, you know, deep learning and and all of those sort of um, concepts, you might want to do a lot of that big, big data analytics in these large data centers because you can get scale. And then you push models and you push this deep learning and those models and those patterns out to the edge on the gateway. And then you sort of learn between the two and you're constantly having a footprint on both sides of the equation. And then what we always get asked by customers is like, well, which is it for me? And that's where it always becomes a, 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 a it depends answer because there aren't any real standards out there right now of what good looks like because it's so use case specific.
0: Yeah, I look at the ecosystem. You know, just kind of uh, surfing around on on you know Dell's IoT website. You guys kind of handle it all, right? I mean, the analytics portion, the security portion, the services, the the gateway, the kind of everything there um is there anything that i missed um or that you guys possibly are missing that are looking uh at investing in uh, because because it's a gap in the portfolio
2: well i, I can't talk about investments um sure you but, can uh, nobody nobody
1: <laughs> listens besides like brent and mine my my mom matter of fact my wife won't even listen so uh, hi mom this is all secret
2: yeah i'd probably get my pink slip if that translates here if, if i talked about investments but but um I do see it as a I do see it as an ecosystem world. No one company can do all of this if they tell you that I think that they're lying or deluded um, and so partnerships are massively massively important. I'll give you some examples. We have our own big data analytics company uh, called Statistica. They're really great, but a lot of companies already decided you know and they've got something right so Um, And then, you know, you look at companies like SAP that that have a lot of the ERP logic here. No one's going to displace SAP. They want SAP tools to expand around this concept of of getting this data on the edge. So I truly believe the partnerships are massively important. The other thing I'd say, and, and this is where the Dell asset of Boomi comes into play and is really nice, is that once you bring all that data in and you analyze it, well, sometimes you've got to move the data around onto other systems that you have, other ERP systems or CRM systems in your environment. Let's say you're, you know, you're, you're doing predictive maintenance and, and this whole big data flow realizes that you've got to go send a technician out tomorrow. Well, you need to then incorporate that data into your ERP system. So how do you do that? And so Boomi is a really good API brokerage tool that allows you know companies to easily sort of send messaging you know off to different applications you know through those uh, through those open APIs. So I think that you know again this is all that you, when you think about the concepts of data, it needs to be shared across many different discrete systems, and that's where something like Boomi comes in and 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 re- you know really really helps
0: out. Awesome. Yep. So again, I think you talked about your partner partner program. You're, we've already mentioned the fact that you guys. Work with the GE's, the SAPs, the Microsofts of the world. There's a whole litany of other partners that you work with to enable uh, IoT, whatever that means. Uh, but it, you know, I, we call it business agility or digital transformation. Um, so, in in t- talk to me some uh, some more about your the projects that are kind of like your pride and joy. Like I've I've heard about cows and bees and animals and trees, so. Talk to us about how in the world we're enabling these organic things with IoT.
2: Yeah, I, I love the cow story. Um and and I got asked once, it was an interview at Dell World, and I talked about IoT to a journalist, and uh, I I you know, I I thought it was very non-technical, but it was all about the data center and the back end and this fog versus, you know, cloud networking and And she said, boy, that's really boring. She's like, why don't you make this more human for me? And so I told her about the case study we have in India where where we call it the Internet of Cows, um, where we've helped a, a customer to literally put sensors on their cows and they're, they're, they're trying to understand the relationship between where the cows walk around in the field, which grass they eat, where they are in the troughs, you know, are they taking their nutrient, you know, uh, vitamin supplements, and then looking at milk yields of each of those cows by overlaying a bunch of that data sources. So it became the Internet of Cows. And she laughed at the end because she said, well, I, I told you to make it more human for me and you talked about cows, so I don't know what's going on in your head, but... But that's just a great story about smart agriculture. And you think about some of the world's biggest problems that we're going to face over the next couple of years or the next couple of decades are, you know, um, scarcity of food or getting food, food wastage is a huge one. So I like the cow one because it's all about milk yields and increasing milk yields with the same ecological footprint. You think about the wastage of food you know, just across the, the developed world and the lack of food in the developing world, we've got to go and readdress that balance. And I think if you can, if you can you know, um, orchestrate and wire up trucks more, you understand how you route them, most, you know, uh, the most ecological way through cities and countryside so that you don't have spoilage and waste of, of food crops. You know, that's another huge one. Uh, and then water, right? You know, water is a massive one. And I can't think off the top of my head you know, specific, um, but there's a lot of, of um, ways that, that, you know, through orchestration, you can wire up the world. We were with um, uh, a guy the other day who was an astronaut, a NASA astronaut, and he wrote a great book about, you know, the global perspective from outer space, and he's really now a sort of ecologist, and he was telling me that, you know, in Africa, we've spent millions of dollars creating these these wells to get clean water into developing nations. And we feel good about it, you know, and we said, hey, we spent millions of dollars, we put all these wells in, we walk away. Well, you go back 10 years later, no one's using them because they broke. And no one knew they broke. Uh, well, you could just put very, very simple wireless technology, some smart technology on those wells, and you can go fix the ones that are broken, and you get this continual... Sort of you know maintenance of of these these um, uh, these projects that I think can really go off and help the world become a better place and I might be getting a little soppy now, but I do believe there is a big linkage in between some of the world's biggest sort of macro problems and how technology around this whole space can go and solve that that that's yeah. what makes that's what makes me like want to come to work at 6.30 every morning and not, you know, 7.30 like I used to.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, we've been talking about businesses, uh, you know, going faster, being better, essentially making more money. Um, But we're actually, you know, you guys are actually solving real problems with the use of technology, which, which is cool. Um and and it is that that call it that softer that soppy side, but um it definitely is important and I think that it's it's important um to consumers today, right? I and mean, if you look at uh where philanthropy is and the millennials are and caring more and more about, you know, the earth and the world and, and people and things like that, it uh I think this will certainly, you know, fall fall squarely into their laps and and and, and they'll enjoy it.
2: Yeah, and the, the the other the other great one is we've we, we have the Internet of bees, uh, honeybees, that is. Uh, you know, again, it, a, I don't know if it's a, a U.S. problem, but it's definitely a European problem that the honeybee is dying off massively, and no one really knows why. And so we set up a beehive um, on, on the top of our site in, uh, in Dublin and Ireland, and we have video cameras, uh, CO2 sensors, you know, light sensors, and we're gathering all of that data, and we're we're providing that data to the honeybee association, and there, you know, we're trying to help them figure out why the honeybee is is becoming so endangered. And, and you think, well, you know, if the honeybee leaves, is, is the consequence that I just have less honey, or the honey prices go up? Well, the reality is that uh, the honeybees play just a huge role in the in the bio you know, ecology of moving, you know, plants around and, and, and fertilizing plants in the wild. So again, you, you know, you look at this and you think, well, how can IOT help the honeybee situation and what impact does that have on the world? And you actually realize these are pretty big problems that need to be solved.
1: You know, as we, as we move on and we look at these things, um, there's a lot of different things going on. Are you familiar at all with Google's Brillo IOT OS? Yes. So what do you, what do you guys see in that? Is that something that would enable your uh, your hardened, um, you know, your basically your infrastructure or your hardened uh, appliances that you're working on, or where does that fit into the conversation?
2: Yeah, you know, the getting into the weeds a little bit now, you know, the operating system whole debate and landscape is is very fragmented. Um, Especially at the edge of the network, so um, so I, I, I think Brillo has definitely has a place in the things, um, you know, and, and uh, again on the consumer side, I think it's going to gain a lot of traction. When I look at when I look at the edge of the network and the gateway and back into the data center, you know, this is still the realms of of the IT department of how they manage these devices, how they secure them, and so there's a lot of robustness that has to happen at the OS itself. Um, And so, you know, we've sort of placed some bets on uh, Ubuntu, um, Canonical, uh, with their Snappy uh, OS. Very, very great at sort of creating a lightweight, very highly secure operating system at a great price. Windows with their IoT um, derivatives are are just great for, for mass deployment and all those management features. But then customers still need real-time operating systems. So Wind River has a great, uh, you know, RTOS. Um, And then then there's so many little, small, very sophisticated, but very niche operating systems uh, in this environment. They all play a role. But you come back to the commoditization of this space, you can't commoditize it by having 20 different operating systems. It's just too expensive for the world to absorb that. Players like Dell, we can't to rival our management tools and our security on so many operating systems. It's just too expensive. So as part of the commoditization element here, you know, we're betting on a few, and I think Brillo has a great role in the things themselves. From the edge of the network back into the data center, I, I still think it's the same suspects of, 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 of uh, Ubuntu, you know, Microsoft, and, and Wind River.
1: Yeah, and and since you were talking again about the edge and the core, it kind of leads me to our last big question. Um, You know, there really is a a big differential between what you want to do at the edge, where speed matters, and again, reducing network traffic is pretty important. uh, And then in a core where it's really about making sure that you get those insights uh, consolidated so that you can start to act on them or find trends and things like that. Um, do you feel like one of those is is more well solved or more evolved than the other is the is the core really to the point where everybody understands how to execute on this and we're really heavily focused on how do we get the edge and the edge devices out there um, or are they pretty well balanced as far as their evolution
2: no I think the back end is more evolved um, because it's you know it's big data um, it might be different data sets but it's big data in the data center um, and I think I think we as a society know how to do that now. I mean, not in all. We can always get better, more efficient. You know, uh, larger data sets analyze faster. You know, better ability to have you know business people, not IT people, ask the questions of the data. You know, that that's sort of I think well evolved. It can always be better, um, and, and and we're all out there striving to do that. I think that. The edge is where a lot of the learnings are still happening real time um, and the association between the two like how do I get my models and my patterns from one to the other? How do I pass data you know across what is the right amount of data and analytics to do at the edge versus in the data center you know um, there's no benchmarks for this right now there's no spec in webs or you know, or just you know, performance uh, benchmarks. We, we we're doing a lot of that on behalf of our customers in our IoT labs around the world. We have about six IoT customer experience and um, and customer um, labs where customers can come in and do all this testing. Or we're doing it with all of the ISVs and the partner ecosystem we talked about. We're doing that here in Austin and in California, and in Singapore and these labs across the world. That will standardize over time. But I think that anyone, again, who says, I've nailed the edge, you know, is is sort of deluded or lying. Not that they haven't done it for specific customers, but as an industry, there's a lot of work to do on the edge of this network. And that's why, you know, consortiums like OpenFOG are so important because we have to solve some big issues there. There's a lot of people solving the same problem again and again. One of them is how do I extract all this data and, and people are writing the same drivers time and time again for the things that already exist and that are out there. And there's some great companies in the world that do that make a lot of money out of it. But it doesn't really help move the industry forward as quickly as it, it should. So one of the big problems that we're, we're trying to solve at the edge is how do we help create standards, less standards but more robust, to collect the data? Um, and the OIC is doing a lot of work there as well. And then, how do we stop rewriting the same drivers time and time again, and focus some of that effort on, you know, some more business value elements like analyzing the data?
0: Very cool. Yeah, thanks for thanks for clarifying that for us, Andy. So we've basically crested our sixty-minute mark, and you know, we know you're a busy guy. We want to be respectful of that. Is there is there anything that we 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 missed that uh, you'd like to cover real quick before we close it out?
2: Yeah, I think the, the the last just the last sort of quick comment I'd have is, and we touched on this a little bit, but it sort of changes the whole go-to-market for a lot of companies as well. Um, you know, I, we talked about the selling motion. If you just sold to IT before, you've got to sell to IT in the business unit or operations technology. I also think there's a there's a, going to be a brand new set of go-to-market partners in a lot of companies like Dell and and our equivalencies. Um, and, and it's around this whole notion of system integrators. Um, some of those system integrators are huge. They're the IBM Global Services. They're the Accentures. the Deloitte. But a lot of them are very, very small and very regional and very use case focused. People that do telematics, people that do building management or smart agriculture, these aren't global brand names and in system integrators, but they have incredible expertise in their field. And, um, and, and then coupled with the right IT companies like Dell and EMC and HP and others, those, those have to come together to make this real because we understand networks and data flows and big data and these small SIs understand agriculture, fleet management, jet turbines, um, you know, consumer wearables or whatever it is. So not only is operations technology and IT need to come together, I think there's, these system integrators that have a lot of use case knowledge, uh, you're going to see some really, really, um, you know, unintuitive relationships form over the next couple of years, un- un- unintuitive in the old world. And so that's uh, another really exciting piece of this that, that makes my job fun is, you know, who are those partners and how do we go find them and how do we work together with them because we've never really done that before at that sort of small, very, very focused level.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. And it's it's really interesting, right? It really, the 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 niche knowledge of you know even these boutique shops um, becomes pretty critical, right? You know, somebody who who works with a type of business on an ongoing basis uh, and then takes leverages that you know kind of IoT ask knowledge and tries to help them transform um, is you know probably some of that secret sauce in between of just going and consuming technology and actually being su- successful with it, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Bingo.
1: Awesome. So, you know, it is, it's, uh, it's at that time, like, uh, like Brent said. Um, Where and when can we find you next? Uh, What are you going to be at over the next couple of months, whether it be May, you know, June, any of those kind of things? And we're not asking about vacation. We're talking about things like your uh, conferences or speaking engagements, things like that.
2: Wow. That's, you put me on the spot. Uh, It's, it's after two o'clock. So my, my brain's a little rusty. Uh, (laughs) No big deal. Heading to Singapore tomorrow for our our um, annual sales conference in Asia, um, and then after that, a bunch of speaking slots at some events. But if if anyone uh, anyone needs me out there, and uh, you have great customers, or or you are a customer of ours, and you want you know you want to sort of meet and consult, or if there's events that you think I should be at, then um, you can find me on LinkedIn at you know Andy Rhodes at Dell and. Um, I'd I'd love to sort of understand if there's things I'm missing.
1: Awesome. And so, what about Twitter? Is that another good way to hit you up?
2: It is. And and uh, and now you're going to ask me for my Twitter Twitter handle, which is uh, Andrew M. Rhodes. As simple as that. Uh, right. I use the name that, I use the name that only my mother calls me. So it's Andrew M. Rhodes on Twitter, not Andy.
1: Yeah, my daughters learned that when I'm in trouble with her, she calls me the same thing my wife does, which is my full name, including my middle name. So. <laughs> Uh, even even my daughter gives it to me that way. Um, what other you know? One of the other things we love to talk to people about is you know as they further their education. Do you have reading suggestions or websites that you use daily or are ongoing using to kind of educate yourself?
2: You know, I, I, I I've um, definitely so I've sort of immersed myself in the industrial world, um, and uh, and I can follow up with some of the things I use, but there are a bunch of industrial publications or, or publications specifically for each of these use cases. Um, and so, you know, and, and again, it's really hard to spout them off, but you go and follow people that are in telematics or in fleet management or, or in smart agriculture. A lot of that I've sort of learned through, through Twitter is go and, go and understand the businesses um, and the, the, you know, the actual things that they're doing and they'll spit out a whole bunch of new publications that you've never heard of, you know, Industrial Internet, 4.0 Time, Digitimes, and other things like that. But, um, yeah, let me, let me get back to you on that one. I can send you a bunch of links. I don't know if there's ability through these podcasts to sort of draft on that or, or again, just, you know. Yeah, if you, if you give me some I mean, links, we'll put
1: them it. out there. But also, I would just uh, advise people to, to hit up your Twitter, and uh, if you'll put some of those links out there um, after the podcast comes live, I'm sure people will follow and figure it out will do awesome well thank you so much uh you know again we have we have a this is a first for us normally we say goodbye and and hugs and everything like that and uh um, this is the part where I say, you know, everybody, please get social with us. Uh, you know, we had somebody today suggest a couple of great topics, including, uh, digging into DCS, which we'll get into later at some other, some other point. Um, and then, you know, also just, you know, we need to hear your topics. We want to hear what you want. And we want your feedback, even if you want to tell us that we're really bad at what we do. We love all that kind of stuff. Um, so on behalf of the hot Owl. I'm not only Brian Carpenter, uh, but I'm also Brent Piotti because he got uh, dropped from the call and had a little emergency. Um, And so we want to thank you again, Andy, for joining us.
2: Absolutely. I really, really appreciate the opportunity and uh, really enjoyed the
1: hour. And hopefully at some point I'll be invited back. Without a doubt. And uh, we'll see you out there very soon. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks a lot.